Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and mo most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. From his journey as a young kid on the streets to becoming a boxing champ, to everything from sports, music, culture, and family life, the On the Hook podcast is where you want to be. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays, and Spanish episodes are out on Wednesdays. Welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Stéphane Lecoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, Indeed, Bet Online, and of course, Rotoviz. Matt, how you doing today, man? I am good. Good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I'm not super energy right now. Yeah, sounds like uh, you could use a, a Monster or a Pepsi or something like that. I am drinking sparkling water right now, which isn't mm. doing the trick. I am also drinking a sparkling water, but mine ha is infused with alcohol. I, uh, I'm drinking a snowmelt, which is from Upslope, which is a local Colorado company. We are not sponsored by them, but we should be because I drink these so much. They're also my in-between drink. So like if I'm drinking cocktails or something like that and I'm like, man, I've had a couple cocktails. I should probably uh, have some water. I grab a snow melt, you know, 5%. It's uh, delicious and delightful. And I am not an alcoholic, I promise you. <laughs> it kind of sound like one, though. Eh, it's all right. Yeah. What uh, What's going on in the world of football? We've got some postponements we need to probably talk about, huh? So, I mean, it finally hit the SEC. Um, yeah. I, and truthfully, I, I think that we should expect this. There are going to just be weeks where it doesn't matter. If you do everything right, it's... COVID's going to get in there and it sucks and whatever. I mean, we lost, realistically, we lost probably two really solid games. Um, and then we also lost a Vanderbilt game. So, um, I mean, Oklahoma State and Baylor postponed because of COVID. Uh, Florida and LSU postponed because of COVID. That one makes me sad. Yeah. Largely, be let's just be clear. That would have been a like 71 to 70 kind of game. That would have just been fun. Um, I had it on my list as a as a potential lock with the over. And yeah, that, uh, I would have yeah. I would have made fun of you for not doing that. It actually disappoints me as a uh, John Emery truther um, mm -hmm. because he would have run all over them. And that would have been oh, great. Yeah. It would have been because Florida is going to make every running back stock amazing. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's all right. We'll get yeah. it soon enough. I mean, uh, some news came out that was kind of frightening. The athletic director, Scott Strickland, said that some of the Florida players that tested positive um, already had some symptoms on Friday and, and played anyways because they thought maybe it was just allergies. Uh, so that kind of is troubling for Texas A&M, who they played last week. So hopefully uh, they are all good there. Hopefully there was no uh, transmission that took place. We obviously uh, won't know uh, Right now we don't know but we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll know by saturday so yeah uh, definitely something to keep in mind hopefully not a big deal but yeah it does make me nervous and man 
like you said, it's just hard to, it's really hard to expect that all these teams get through this playing their entire slate of games. And that's kind of why I like the conferences that are doing the daily rapid testing rather than relying upon just like two to three times a week. Because, I mean, whether or not these guys had COVID um, at that time, you can't assume allergies. You You really do need to, in this day and age of, we're trying to play football safe. We're trying to keep the environment as clean as possible. Um, you really need to test them regardless. And it's, it, I mean, it sucks for the kids because these rapid tests, they do suck. Um, but at the same time, that's, it's why the Big Ten is, was so adamant. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, all these conferences that like came back just recently on the idea of daily testing, largely because of that, you can't risk it because who knows, maybe all some of these kids who did test positive did spread it to three Texas A&M players. And now Texas A&M is at risk for a massive breakout. Yeah. I really, I really hope that's not the case, but honestly, yeah, just I don't know the one, the one unfortunate thing in it's a bad thing right now that we're reading this, um, this headline, because the truth is, not all sickness in 2020 is COVID. And that's right. it's this one, like you're allowed to cough in 2020 and it's not COVID. Um, so hopefully it was just, they weren't. Hopefully the incubation period hadn't started and these kids who t- ended up testing positive caught it because after the game, they went out and had drinks with someone stupid. So fingers crossed. I, I mean, I, Finger, that's all we can say is fingers crossed that these guys weren't actually carriers and spreaders at the time of the game and that they were in fact just allergies. Right. And hopefully the games, um, all of them, Vanderbilt, again, that's Vanderbilt, Mizzou, Oklahoma State at Baylor, and then uh, the Florida LSU game. Hopefully they all get made back. Uh, this gives them some of these teams some time to get healthy though. In other ways, I know uh, Kyle Pitts had been struggling with that foot or ankle injury. So hopefully he has this extra he week or so. a week of free like health. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, he can. Yeah, hopefully he can get back to normal, dude. So I play Madden a lot. <clears throat> this is a tangent, uh, obviously. Whenever you start with dude, what? I play Madden. <laughs> it's a tangent. But like one of the things that drives me crazy is like I'll be throwing the ball deep to DK Metcalf and he'll jump up to make the catch and then like he'll get hit by the corner and then like the ball just flies 20 yards away and it's incomplete. Kyle Pitts is like the exact opposite of that. You throw him up, you throw him a jump ball or any ball, like it just sticks to his hands. That first touchdown he caught, my God, like the dude just catches anything in traffic. He doesn't care how many people are around him. He will go up and get the ball. No one's going to get it from him. I am so impressed with Kyle Pitts. In fairness, I think real life DK Metcalf is also probably like that, but... But no, yeah. Kyle, you're right. And it's Kyle Pitts is absurd. And truthfully, so we we've been we've been putting in some work in the last couple of days, just some uh, transparency for our listeners. Um, we've been spending some time in the last couple of days updating our Debbie ranks because we felt like we were going to roll out this big new ranking system over the summer. And then life happened for all of us and they kind of fell by the wayside. But now we're going to we're planning on rolling it out. And one of the players that I, I don't want to say had a difficult time ranking, but boy, did I put him with a really high grade at first is Kyle Pitts. Um, I, I think I told you guys this while we were kind of going back and forth, but my initial score that I put for him 
put Kyle Pitts ninth overall um, in my Debbie ranks. And it's just because the value of a guy who is that dominant at one position in a position where um, there isn't a lot of greatness is super duper valuable. Um, If he truly is what we think he is, which is the next uh, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle type, we're talking about a guy who, I mean, is going to be the feature guy. I mean, he's going to be one of the core guys on a lot of title rosters moving forward in dynasty leagues. And for me, I think, I mean, if you can get this guy for a relatively inexpensive price in your dynasty league or your, I'm sorry, not dynasty, your Debbie league, you should be shooting out offers because he's, I mean, he's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. We, you and I both have him at 8.8 and, Travis has him at 8.9 out of 10. So yeah, we're all very high, very, very comparable on that. But yeah, I, I love him. I think he's incredible. Uh, some other news though, uh, before we uh, get totally off the rails here, Skylar Thompson, quarterback for Kansas State is out for the year. Real bummer. Yeah, I mean, Kansas State had a lot, like very real moments of fun. I mean, I think we, when we all watched that uh, Oklahoma game, he was he was one of the guys that we came away saying, "Wow, he's really good." Um, so yeah, just disappointing. I, I I think we're all it's just unanimous. We're all we're all disappointed by this because he's a good player, and it's probably a step back for a Kansas State team that, while they probably weren't a real contender, they were definitely the type of team that is going to make every week difficult. And now there might be a few weeks where they just kind of limp through them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bummer. Uh, and can Kansas state was proven to be a, a difficult opponent in the, in the big 12. So be interesting to see how that shakes out rest of the year. Uh, before we keep going though, uh, just a quick outline for a show. We're going to talk about some of the things that we, uh, observed over the past week or season, depending on, uh, which way we go with things. Uh, then we're going to jump into our review of last week, both the previewed games that we did as well as our locks. Then we will jump into, uh, the future. We will look at some of the big games. Of course, we're going to preview the big showdown between Alabama and Georgia. Nope. And then, as always, we will finish up the show with our locks of the week. Uh, but before we do that, can we talk about my new favorite team? Yeah, absolutely. Who's your new favorite team? My new favorite team is Ole Miss. I just want to throw a couple of stats out real quick. Ole Miss is first in passing efficiency. They're second in total yards per game at 573. They are fifth in yards per play at 7.44. They're seventh in the league in the in the, in the country in their third down conversion rate. They also are 67% on fourth down. If you kind of look at what they actually end up doing, because they've gone for fourth, gone for it on fourth down quite a few times. Uh, if they hit third down 70% of the time, whether it's on third or fourth down, they end up getting the first down. They only have one turnover this year. And I am convinced that Lane Kiffin's sole purpose, his, the only thing he cares about is getting all of his offensive players drafted. Matt Corral is having a stupid year so far. He's got a 76.1% pass completion. He's got a... a um, Stone for almost 1,100 yards, a 9-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio. Uh, Jerry and Ely is getting it done, averaging 5.4 yards a carry, four touchdowns. Again, 
also uh, throwing in five receptions for 67 yards. Uh, we've talked about Elijah Moore a lot. He's got 31 receptions already this year for 462 yards. And then Kenny Yaboa, their tight end, already has four touchdowns on 15 receptions. He's averaging 23.7 yards a catch. I love Ole Miss. So a couple more stats to just add to the joy. Yes. Um, so they are, um, because as we all know, their their defense is also trash. Absolutely, which helps right these now, numbers. Right now they're averaging 77 offensive plays per game. Um, they're, they have an offensive success rate. So just total offensive success rate. They are at 49.78%. Um, and that ranks 10th best in the country. Their passing success rate, it, which obviously this is a pass heavy team, is 58.33%. So that ranks fourth in the country. And what makes them actually fun is because literally every game is going to be a shootout. So uh, defensively, their success rate uh, allowed 62.2% um, wow. <laughs> overall. And on passing downs or on just passing plays, it's 61.7. Rushing plays, it's 62.6. This is a team that does not like they're not stopping plays. They have a stuff rate of just over 10%, which is really bad. And they allow 4.7, 4.07 line yards per play. And for every time a team gets within the 40-yard line, they're averaging 5.25 points per opportunity. This yeah. is a team that is going to get into shootouts. If I am Mr. Under, um, I love under plays. Do not bet an Ole Miss under. <laughs> yeah, you won't be talking about Ole Miss much. <laughs> they're, they're on uh, a list with like three teams that I will not bet unders on this year. Yeah, um, I'm sure you saw Roger Sherman's uh, tweet about the fact that Ole Miss defense only prevented 41 total yards of offense against Alabama because they had a fumble at the one yard line and then they had the uh, the one turnover. Oh, no, they did. They did punt at the 40 yard line. So like throughout the whole game, they either finished with a score or those two times. So only 41 Alabama is near perfect. It's insane. <laughs> Unbelievable. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about um, how much I love Ole Miss. And, and serious question. Um, is he getting all these guys drafted? I mean, is Matt Corral like someone who is going to have some sort of opportunity at the next level? I mean, he, I he's doing everything he, right now. He is. And I, I will say this. He is ranked in my Debbie ranks and he was yeah. not ranked in my Debbie ranks prior to the year. And I said, he shouldn't be the starter before the beginning of the year. And I am being proven wrong pretty quickly. Well, John um, Reese Plumley has got a hundred percent completion percentage. So, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe he just hasn't got the opportunity. Still team <laughs> no, um, there you go. I, I like Corral. He was a, he was a highly regarded prospect. I believe he was a high four-star prospect. He was actually the guy in, like his recruiting class that they brought in, he was the gem. He was the guy that they were super excited about. So, I mean, talent seems to be there. He has the pedigree. Yeah, I mean, if he puts up another, I mean, he's probably not getting drafted after this year or he's not eligible. No, he is. I don't know. Um, He's not getting, he's not going pro after this year. So with two seasons of production with Lane Kiffin, he's going to make him look really good. Yeah. And what about, um, because we've already talked about uh, Elijah Moore and we, we like him. What do you think about Kenny Eboa, this tight end? Do you think there's a path for him? He's, he is just balling. He'll get drafted. I mean, there's no, there, I, I think if you are a quality receiving tight end, you get drafted. With that being said, I, I'm not ranking him yet. I don't think he's in that world 
quite yet, but I do think that there's a path to him having relevance. It just will require. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's already a fifth year senior. He's, yeah. um, he has the frame, but I mean, before we jump into like this whole realm of, oh, he's amazing. He has 15 receptions. It's not, let's not make him out to be some Evan Ingram type quite yet. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about my new favorite team. They're not actually my new favorite team, but they're on the list. I mean, they should be. They're yeah. up there. <laughs> they're so fun. Um, And so the other, the other guy that, or the other team that's fun to watch right now and has been a team that you're now going, you, you tell me you hope they lose the rest of their games. Um, Florida, their defense is bad. Um, so uh, I, I mentioned, um, I mentioned Ole Miss's defensive success rate, um, ranking third on that list, by the way, a whole almost 10% better than Ole Miss is Florida. They're at 53.16% of defensive success rate at 59.2 on rushing. So, and they only stuff about 12% of plays. So Florida is another one of those teams. Um, the big thing to watch for them is anybody who plays against Florida, you probably, if you're a, if you're a college football DFS player, that running back is probably going to be a little bit expensive because it's starting to come out that Florida is bad on defense. So this is a team that I would say is a target um the old way like in normal dfs a couple in nfl dfs a couple years ago it was like arizona tight ends always or right this is a team start the opposing running back against florida because their tacklers are bad i believe they have allowed pretty much everyone who has played against them has now leads um the conference in broken tackles um isaiah spiller basically looked like a um like a god out there against him and i'm still not high on isaiah spiller I'm we we talked about this game getting postponed. I'm really disappointed because John Emery was going to be a guy that I heavily threw into lineups. And yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of in that camp. So yeah, just keep keep that thing stashed. Florida's defense is going to be really bad. They're going to give up a lot of points. It's probably why I, I tweeted out that um, I've kind of flipped back. I now think that Georgia is very likely to beat this Florida team. And I wouldn't even yeah. be shocked if they get tripped up against a team like Tennessee. Right. It's it's hard to play. It's hard to have much confidence in Florida with the play of that defense. I tweeted out on Saturday because I lost a lot of money. <laughs> I lost a lot of money on Florida this week, friends. So uh, trust me, when I give you recommendations for like my locks, I am losing money when I don't get it. So uh, don't feel bad. I, I lost money on Florida and I, I said I will never pick them again. I'll never put money on them again because I just can't trust them. You can't trust that defense. Uh, their offense is going to score. I might, I might bet on their overs, but I'm straight not. I don't think totals. I can. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can bet them uh, straight up against a spread because unless they're maybe an underdog or something like that. But I just, man, they just cannot trust that defense. Uh, but but speaking of betting, I wanted to just talk for a few minutes about how I actually make money betting because a lot of you are probably wondering uh, how I'm on this podcast with my locks being as not great as they've been. Although I did. I did have a winning record this week. Uh, but one of the things that I do that I think uh, is, a, is a pretty surefire way to make a couple extra bucks is at halftime, spend some time on your app or whatever, wherever you're doing your betting. Uh, so I live in Colorado, so I can use um, apps, which is nice. 
And I like checking out some kind of crazy halftime scores. So this last week, the halftime line for the Georgia, uh, who's Georgia playing Tennessee, Tennessee, um, Georgia, Tennessee was at minus three. And if you were watching the game, you could kind of tell that things were fluky. Georgia had given up a defense, I mean, a special teams mistake that led to a touchdown and stuff like that. And I was like, Georgia minus three. Are you kidding me? Of course, Georgia's the better team They're They've been a second half team so far this year. And so I just went crazy um, with a, a big bet on Georgia minus three. And it worked out, of course. Uh, earlier in this year, I, to- I told you guys that uh, Oklahoma against Missouri State, they were like favored by 89 at halftime. Something stupid like that. So every week, there's not a lot of them, but you can find one or two halftime scores that are just kind of wonky that if you are willing to uh, kind of double down, you can make some money. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. I- I'll start tweeting out what I uh, see at halftime, which ones I'm going to be putting money on. So uh, follow me on Twitter for that. That's at StayFunLaco. And of course, you want to be following uh, Wispy the Kid over here. Matt, uh, he uh, he's also very active on Twitter on on game days as well so yeah but it's a uh, lot of nonsense for me i just troll fan bases no but which is also fun people need that people (laughs) need that joy in their life uh before we move on to the games though i just kind of wanted to go through the sec receiving leaders after three weeks because there's some pretty fun names in here um and i just wanted to get your thoughts uh first i thought it was interesting this list can contains so we're just going to do the top five um and only three schools are represented in the top five We've got two Ole Miss players and two players from Alabama and then one from LSU. So uh, number one is Elijah Moore from Ole Miss with 462. Terrace Marshall, number two, with 424. He got half of those last week. Uh, Jalen Waddell is number three with 396. Then Kenny Yaboa, the tight end that we've been mentioning, his 355 yards. And then Devonta Smith from Alabama with 316 yards. So uh, five names, three schools. Just kind of wanted to get your thoughts. Which one of these players do you think has the uh the other than how i was going to say which one do you think will fall out of this but the tight end is probably the one that's easiest so which of these guys are you most confident uh continues to put forth this dominant of a, of a season i mean who do I, if if you're asking me right now to pick who's going to lead the sec in yards it's going to be elijah moore he is it, this is now his second straight season of being a a target hog for the Ole Miss team, and now he's on a target hog for a, a really good offense. So, Double-digit catches in, in all three weeks. Unbelievable. I mean, that It's what he is. He's he's a guy that the coaching staff has absolute trust in him getting the ball and making a play. Um, I, I don't see a path to him not being among... I mean, it's hard to say the leader, but uh, he's definitely going to be one of the top three. And if I was picking the guy to to lead the SEC in receiving yards at the end of the year. It's it's him. And honestly, won't be shocked if he leads the country. Yeah. Well uh, but, the guy I've been but yeah, the guy I was impressed with Terrace Marshall. Again, these 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 offenses with poor defenses are kind of exciting because yeah, Marshall just went nuts last week, uh going for two hundred plus yards against Missouri in a loss. And I think that defense hemorrhaging points is really gonna give him the opportunity uh, to really shine, and he doesn't have a whole lot of competition uh, as far as just outright crazy talent. Um, I, I, I wonder, do you think uh, do you think it's a, a for sure thing? Like Terrace is a junior, I believe. Do you think you'll yes. declare this year? Yes, I, I hope you're right. Uh, I mean, so we talked about him. We've had, we've talked about Marshall a lot. Like we're one of actually, yeah. I would say, coming into this year, even going into like last year. Heck, even when Jordan was on the pod, still. 
Terrace Marshall was a guy we were bringing up as the the touchdown guy on that offense and was really probably the the biggest touchdown threat they had on that offense last year. But it was just kind of overshined by Justin Jefferson being stupid and good and uh, Jamar Chase being a top 10 overall player in this upcoming draft that it was it was really actually almost like disappointing to see Marshall sit there with like these reduced numbers. And now he's having this chance when everybody left. And now there's only really one true target on this offense and he's just getting the workload. I'm really happy to see it. He's a guy that I I've liked since I'm going to say before his sophomore season, I don't want to act like I'm one of those guys who was on him as a high school recruit. I knew he was a high pedigree guy, but I didn't, I hadn't quite bought in yet. So I mean, I'm happy to see it. I think he's going to go after this year. And I would say if they continue doing, I mean, if, if they're, if their games are going to keep being shootouts, he's another guy that's going to be up towards the top of this list. Yeah. I mean, all these guys are are pretty exciting based you, on their offenses. So in our re-rank, I, I'm quickly pulling or looking where we have him for all of us. I mean, this was a guy that was in summer drafts. And so uh, Debbie Watch, um, who is a, I'm going to call him a friend of the pod. They're, they're good guys. I'm pretty good friends with all the owners. They run a bunch of mock Debbie drafts over the summer. And this was a guy who was late third, potentially early fourth round pick in a lot of these drafts. Yeah. You have him at 12th. I have him at um, 18th. And I, I kind of feel bad about that. And Travis has him at 14th. So, I mean, we, we always talk about how much volume matters. He's jumping two rounds in our Debbie ranks, yep. largely based on this like couple of games where he's getting this kind of volume and proving that he can be the alpha wide receiver on a good offense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And preseason, um, I had been moving to Maury on Terry up and it, it was pretty easy to be like, oh, I need to swap those two guys out right away because their stock has just gone in completely opposite directions. Uh, so yeah, he, he's someone that we, we definitely, definitely like. And, um, yeah, maybe we should, uh, dig in a little deeper and maybe, maybe you should write an article about him, Matt. (laughs) I'm busy these days, but Uh, yeah, I mean, we're all busy. Uh, especially you business owners out there, even though sports had a break, we know that your business didn't and you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make sure your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. This offer is valid through December 31st. All right, Matt, let us get into week 
six review. So week six was a good one. Um, so I went two and one on locks. I did have one game get postponed. Screw you. Hurricane Delta, I think is what canceled that one. Whatever. Um, sure. Brings me to 10, seven and two <clears throat> on locks for the season. And then on regular games, uh, I, I was actually pretty happy about this one. I, I, it's weird to say because I always I always jokingly say that um, I I don't put the effort into these picks in the same way that I put into them. But I was there was one game I cared about, um, and we'll talk about that one here in a little bit. And I was so happy to be on the right side of that one this year. Uh, Twelve and thirteen on my regular games for the year, so happy about that. Um, quickly running through my locks bets that did play: uh, Syracuse plus two and a half versus Duke. Um, that was the loser. Um, sadly, that was the article pick for this week. Uh, I don't know what happened in this game. I intermittently was checking the score. Seemed like Syracuse had chances and they just kind of stunk it up. Um, uh, Louisiana Tech and UTEP under 52. This was a game that I was super duper high on. Um, game only got to 38 points. UTEP's offense is horrific. Um, you'll hear this again later. Uh, BYU and UTSA was the game I kind of threw on because you bullied me into doing more picks um, under 63 and a half. I said that um, I thought that BYU was going to run away with this and would eventually get tired of scoring. going to be honest, the game didn't really go like that. UTSA's defense came out to play. Um, there were a lot of moments in this game where uh, if you were a BYU backer, you were really worried. And right. I saw there was some... It was something crazy. I think there was like a $50,000 bet that was placed on BYU money line that was going to pay out like three grand or something like that. Like that's how big they were of a favorite. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a money line bet. And if you were watching that game in the middle of the third tense. quarter, that guy was freaking out. Yeah, that game got tense. <laughs> and then and then I did have Florida Atlantic and Southern Miss get postponed. So screw you, Hurricane Delta. Yeah, yeah, and that was one that I was excited about because uh, I liked your logic and reasoning behind My it. Principle. Yep, I did. I did personally uh, put some money down on the uh, the LaTeX UTEP under. I thought that was I thought that was a lock for sure, and I was happy to uh, to make money with you on that one. Uh, I had a pretty good week. Um, I went three and two on my locks. So I'm up to nine and 12 now. Again, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And then I went three and three on the others. Uh, so I'm 13 and 12 on the regular season um, for, for those games. My, my locks were like I mentioned, Florida minus six and a half. That did not, uh, that did not do, do it. That did not work, work at all for me, but I also had the over in that game. It was at 56 and a half. The total was uh, ended at 79. Florida's defense, we've talked about, man, they just cannot stop Spiller. It was super frustrating. They had an opportunity to, to get it at the end there and, and turn the ball over. It was really, really disappointing. Uh, my other loss was Louisville minus four at Georgia Tech. Uh, the, the final score in this one's a little misleading. Louisville had the lead at halftime. Uh, Georgia Tech ended up scoring like 21 points uh, in a row or something like that. Uh, nine, uh, and many of them were like with just a couple minutes left. So, so that one got ugly fast. I was pretty disappointed about that. Uh, my other wins were I took uh, the the over in the Vatech UNC game. Uh, that one hit 101, so the 59 was a was an easy win. Um, and then I also took uh, Georgia minus 12 and a half. They ended up winning uh, by 23 or so. So so that that was also very nice. So uh, good week overall. Um, Want to get into some of the games? I mean, we we both were on the UNC. Uh, game the the player you were wanting to watch was uh, Raheem Blackshear. What did you think of him? He's fine. I, I mean, 
The fact that he isn't getting a significant amount of carries doesn't really surprise me, but I like seeing him get utilized. I, I was uh, that the receiving production kind of sucks. So I always kind of downplay how much yards matter when it comes to receiving work, but he had three receptions for one yard and that just kind of sucks. Um, I can't really hype that up unless you're in a PPR league and then it's fun. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, he did what he was supposed to he, Four yards of carry isn't great. I'm not going to hype him as some super duper um, prospect that you need to get on all your rosters. Like I I think I even said it last week. I think he's probably going to be like a kick returner in the NFL, but he's Mm going to be a kick returner in the NFL. So um, I like to watch him because he's fun. Yeah. Um, My guy in this game was Khalil Herbert, and I thought he did pretty well, actually. He went 13 for 138 yards and had two touchdowns. This Virginia Tech-UNC game was weird because Vatek had so many players out with COVID. I think their entire secondary was out. And they yeah. also started um, the Oregon transfer uh, Burmeister instead of Hooker, which ends up looking pretty foolish because once they switched out to Hooker, uh, Vatek really stormed back and almost made a game out of it. Uh, this one was very entertaining, especially uh, rooting for the over. I felt pretty confident at halftime that it was yeah. going to hit. I think it hit with eight minutes left. I felt confident after the first (laughs) quarter, I told you this thing was a winner. Um, So because I like exposing our DMS every once in a while, um, you're sitting there like Virginia tech needs to start scoring. Virginia tech needs to start scoring. And sure they, they did. He said that it was 21, nothing in the first (laughs) quarter. Guess what? That's pacing at 84. You're good. Yeah. But I mean, they did need because UNC only scored 56 and I needed 59. So I yeah. needed at least a field goal from Vatek. <laughs> yeah, it was that was a fun game to watch. And I was I was pretty happy that I suggested taking UNC right before the game to you because yeah. all of those they just came out with all of the information about the uh, the secondary being out. And I knew it was going to turn into a, a high scoring affair. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see uh, what Virginia Tech does going forward. I can only assume that Hooker will be the starter, but they've got a fun offense. Their defense is obviously suspect. I'll be curious. I know that they've got a lot of um, uncertainties about who's all going to be playing this week against Boston College, but definitely one to keep an eye on. And if uh, you see a bunch of players out, uh, maybe just uh, look at that over-under and and see if it's a line you want to play. But the next game, it's funny, man. Uh, How the times have changed. We're 35 minutes into the podcast, and we're only now talking about the Red River uh, rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma. This game was nutty, nutty Nutterson. Uh, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Texas 45, Oklahoma 53 in about a million uh, overtimes. Your boy, Seth McGowan, was a was a late scratch, Ooh. yeah, some sort of injury. I'm not exactly sure what happened, uh, but he did not play. And man, they, uh, they ended up giving it to, I don't even remember his name. TJ uh, Pledger. Pledger, yeah, who... Was fine, was fine, I guess. I but. mean, that's. I think that's what we kind of we thought about him was TJ Pledger's fine. He wasn't expected to be the guy this year, so I mean, neither was McGowan. Uh, this was supposed to be Kennedy Brooks' team, and I feel like they were missing the effects. I mean, we say that Pledger averaged six yards a carry and scored two sure. touchdowns at was it well over a hundred yards. He did. He did very well. I think they probably would have been a little bit better served having McGowan in there. But, I mean, if you are a Spencer Rattler questioner, if, you have, if you're, like, fearing him, this game gave you a lot of ammunition. He did have a kind of terrible turnover in the first half and, and got benched. And I, I wonder, and I, I kind of like to think of that as a, 
Lincoln Riley said, all right, this guy's struggling really bad in the second quarter. Let's go put him off on the sidelines and let him uh, think about what he's did. He put him in the corner. He put him in timeout for a little bit and said, <laughs> yeah. all right, Spencer, you go calm down. Stop giving the ball to the other team. So it was it was crazy. Um, and I will say there are some bad beat stories that came out of this game. Um, if you were live betting on this game on Texas, I am sorry because – you probably lost in the only way physically possible. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, the, I, I mean, great game. It, uh, neither one of these teams should, no one should think these two teams are great. No one should team think these two teams are awful. And offensively, these two teams are going to score points. That yep. should be your takeaway. And uh, these are two of the other teams that I am not playing the under on for the rest of this year. Although the under would have hit in this one had it not gone to overtime. And Texas's offense really turned around when they got down big. And it kind of reminded me of that Texas Tech game where they came back. And you just kind of wonder, like, why aren't they playing a more up-tempo style of offense from the get-go? Because that's when they really seem to be clicking. Uh, The player I was watching, though, was Marvin Mims, freshman wide receiver for OU. He uh, was... He had four receptions on four targets for 52 yards and a touchdown. Again, nice seeing the freshman involved, but I also know they don't have a whole lot of other options right now just because of injuries and stuff like that. But I mean, it's nice It's nice seeing Mims involved and it's nice seeing him produce. I mean, I've been a big Charleston Rambo guy. He only had two receptions for 16 yards. Um, if you're a Theo Weiss believer, this is a game that you should be looking at it with some positive thoughts because eight receptions for 52 yards for Weiss they're starting to look to him a little bit more. So I, I think overall, if you're if you're trying to come away with offensive thoughts about this game, the big one is Rattler is a freshman, essentially. Like he's he's a redshirt freshman, but there's the talent appears to be there at times, just fingers crossed that he stops making bonehead plays. And if you are looking at the receiving crew, there's no CD Lamb. Yeah. At least not yet. Yeah, that's I think that's spot on. And and you were spending a lot of time watching that game. Uh, and while you were doing that, I was over uh, watching Florida Texas A and M. Like I said, I had a, a lot of a lot of monetary <laughs> investment in this. And uh, I was on Florida uh, minus six and a half. Obviously, they ended up losing by three, thirty eight forty one to Texas A and M. Uh, really interesting game. Florida looked like they were uh, in, in, in decent control of it for a while, but their defense just could not stop Isaiah Spiller. He ended up going 27 for 174 and two touchdowns. He also had a reception for 18 yards. Uh, he had a really solid performance. Um, I know he wasn't the player that either one of us was watching, uh, but, but what do you, I mean, you said you're kind of lower on him than, than maybe consensus is. And so you had mentioned that he does really well against, if I recall, you mentioned he does really well against bad defenses and struggles against the good ones. So, yeah. And I mean, so his big, he had the game that you're like kind of touting from his 20, uh, 20, uh, 2019 campaign. And I'm just going to quickly pull it up. Um, the game that you tout from that was, Oh, look, he crushed this LSU team. He crushed it. Well, LSU's defense last year for most of the season was pretty bad. Um, and he had six yards per carry against them. So, but I mean, so far he is still mostly feasting on bad defenses. I do think that you can look at this one and say, at least he's not getting out athleted. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, this was a good performance. It's, it's definitely, I can't justify having him as like 
a late fourth round pick like I did before. So now he is moving up into the realm where he should probably be drafted. I'm still yeah. probably low on him, but yeah, it's all right. I think he's a good player. I think this was a good performance, but please stop before you go and like put him in the realm of a Travis Etienne because he's not in the same realm. Right. And, and maybe this is a good opportunity to, uh, to sell high after a performance like that, or maybe wait and check, check the schedule and see when they are playing another Or uh, running back is gross. So he's, he's sort of a no, or he might, he'll probably get drafted and he broke out early ish. So hold on to him for a little bit. Sure. Uh, next game up number 14, Tennessee at number three, Georgia, the line was two and a half, uh, 12 and a half. Sorry. We were bo- both on Georgia. Uh, they ended up pulling away in the second half. Uh, 21 to 44 was a final score. Uh, really was a, a tale of two halves. Georgia got a couple of key turnovers to start the second half and, and really rolled and put them away. Uh, Tennessee couldn't do much at all offensively in the second half. Uh, Eric Gray was a player you were watching. He ended the day uh, with only eight carries for 25 yards, but he did have eight receptions uh, for 54. So he did get involved in the passing game. I mean, that's kind of what I expected to happen. I didn't expect Eric Gray to go out and dominate this Georgia defense, which is the best in the country. But I mean, this wasn't like Leonard Fournette a couple of years ago against Alabama getting one yard. This was a reasonable performance and he was more effective than his running back committee counterpart, Ty Chandler. So happy to see it. I think eight receptions is a solid day. Again, in DFS, he kind of seems like he's going to be a guy that should be in a lot of lineups most weeks because heck if they're going to use him out of the backfield this much then he's going to have a lot of value yeah uh the guy i was watching was karis jackson uh he had four for 91 on a touchdowns uh and and he leads the team in in receiving and i'm wondering uh what what are your thoughts here on because the guy we were all high on was was pickens for georgia and but but what are you doing with karis jackson is he someone that you're starting to pay attention to a little bit more no why is I that? mean, because he's he's a third year player. It's I probably need to move him up and start taking him a little bit more seriously. But he's not going. I mean, eh, he's at about forty percent right now for market share. I just expect that. I, I mean, realistically, I expect that George Pickens is going to start being utilized more frequently because he is more talented. What we saw out of Pickens last year was remarkable, and I, I just don't expect him to maintain this near 40-something percent market share yards. With that being said, I'll probably have to revisit him in like a week or two because if he continues to be the guy, I mean, it I might have to. And this is, this is where his relationship with Stenson Bennett probably is a big factor here is he's probably worked with him more than a Pickens who was likely working a lot with Newman and Dwan Mathis. So yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I, I can't write him off. He's definitely a player, but I don't know when you're talking about a third year guy who only prior to this game or prior to the season had uh 79 career receiving yards. He's not going to be a guy that ends up with a high breakout. He's not going to be or an early breakout. And yeah, I mean, we'll see probably a yeah. guy that we have to start not, Seeing is nothing, but probably not someone who you need to push high up your ranks yet. That's good. That's kind of what I did. I I put him up there, but not up there very high. So uh, let's move to probably the most fun game. (laughs) Alabama at Ole Miss. 
Uh, Alabama was favored by 24. Uh, final score was 63 to 48. So you did not get your uh, your cover with Alabama. Ole Miss was uh, my pick. So that was one where I, I made up some ground on you. But the player you're watching is someone who I think is super fascinating. That's John Mechie, a wide receiver for Alabama. He went four for 75. Uh, unbelievable that Alabama scored 63 points and somehow uh, he did not score a touchdown. Maybe that's because uh, Najee Harris stole them all. I mean, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, big game for Harris. I, I think we all were kind of hoping to see that from him because, I mean, he was the he's the other guy in this class at running back. We we know Chuba, we know ETN, but Harris is the other guy that was the he returned to school and, yeah, um, yeah he I, went I did say with five. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he he looked again. We mentioned previously, Ole Miss defense is is really atrocious. So don't use this as like your justification for putting Najee Harris in the first round. Either we was already there. Or this game probably only moved him up a slot or two for you, but he looked really good. I did mention that. I thought at least one of these wide receivers would break out. And I thought that it would be Mechie. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, Devonta Smith, 13 for 164 and a touchdown. Uh, Jalen Waddle, six for 120 and no touchdowns. Yeah. Um, that's kind of insane that I picked the one that did terribly. The one thing that I continue to be really excited by, Jalen Waddle's yards per reception is fun. It's joy personified for me right now because he's getting, he's not getting the same uh, utilization. He's, he doesn't seem to be the guy that they're going for like double digit targets each or double digit receptions each week. But when he gets the ball, he sure makes the most of it. 20.8 yards per reception so far this year. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. He had a lovely, lovely outing. And he also, um, for Devonta Smith, that is, uh, also had a rushing touchdown. So, uh, he, he, he did go nuts. The guy, <laughs> the guy I was watching was, uh, Doobie talked about a little bit at the, off the top. That's Elijah Moore. Like we said earlier, uh, third straight game with double digit receptions. He went 11 for 143. Also somehow could not find the end zone. Uh, there was a lot of touchdowns going around, but he did not find one of them, but what a fun game. Uh, we've talked about Ole Miss a lot. Uh, we'll talk about Alabama a little bit more when we uh, do the breakdown of Alabama, Georgia. Uh, but I am really impressed by both these offenses. And I'm curious when we get to Georgia, what your thoughts are uh, with the Alabama, Georgia game. That is, I- I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on Bama's defense, uh, because I think that could be the uh, the group that decides that game. But before we go to um, to next week's previews, let's talk about uh, Miami at Clemson. Uh, Clemson ended up destroying Miami 42-17. Uh, that 14 number was not even close. I got this one wrong. You got it right. Talk what did me. I do? You remember what I had in here by uh, my pick to share? Yeah. So I had Clemson by murder um, in this yes. game because um, I thought that we were going to see exactly what we saw, which was a um, a very real difference in tier of talent wise. Clemson is one of we are now going to say two good teams. In college football, two very—I should say—two very good teams in college football. That is Alabama, and that is Clemson. And I think Clemson might be in a tier all by themselves at the moment. But Miami was essentially put in a situation where they were not going to be able to run the ball meaningfully in any capacity. And Derek King is an incredibly average passer. So Clemson feasted. They got—I think. He either threw two or three picks in this game, but King was basically made useless. And I mean, as someone who has been 
low. I, I've been trying to slow people slightly on Miami um, because they weren't in the same realm. I was pretty happy to see this outcome go basically as I expected. Yeah, the King threw two picks and then uh, Perry, um, Nikosi Perry, the backup, also threw a pick. So yeah, it was it was pretty ugly. As a guy who kind of likes Miami, I had a pretty good feeling how this was going pretty early. Uh, Miami just could not stop anything and really could not move the ball at all. King only ended up the game with 121 yards passing. Uh, the team rushed for only 89 yards. So, I mean, just an overall dominating performance for the Clemson Tigers. Uh, I was curious what my boy Revan Jordan would do. He only pulled in three for 31. Pretty disappointing. And he has seemed to struggle against uh, more elite defenses. So that is definitely a knock on him. Uh, we're going to jump into our week seven preview. But before we do that, just a quick word from our friends uh, and colleagues at Rotoviz. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. All right, it's time to look ahead. Week 7 preview. Let's start with Pitt at the team we were just discussing, Miami. Miami is favored by 10.5. What you got? Um, this is a low total game. The game right now is only, uh, the total's only in the low fifties right now or in the high forties right now, 10 and a half points is a lot. I think Pitt's defense is a slightly better, um, matchup for this Miami defense than they've been the last couple of weeks for games they've been playing in a low total game. Big spread tends to favor the underdog. I'm taking Pitt. Hang on a second. I think we might have better lines here. I'm just checking real quick. Um, I'm with you though. I think Miami wins this game. I do think there's going to be a, a bit of a problem. No, I'm still seeing it at 10. Never mind. Um, I think Miami's big problem was at the off, like two big problems they had was, was the offensive line as well as the receiving core. Uh, Pitt is amazing on the defensive line. I think they'll be able to bully Miami a little bit. And unless Miami can really get things going through the air, I don't think they're going to have much chance of, of winning by two touchdowns. I think Miami squeaks this one out, uh, but give me Pitt with the points. Uh, who by the way, the best line is 13 and a half. So we are definitely okay. getting some extra points. Yeah. Who uh, who do you got? Uh, what player you watched in this one? So, I mean, you have to watch Addison. He, as much as I am not really a fan of this Pitt offense, and I, I don't think Kenny Pickett is going to make anyone a star. Addison's getting a whole lot of work early and... I mean, early breakout matters, so keep an eye on him. Yeah, I'm curious about uh, our boy Cameron Harris again. Uh, really couldn't do much last week. I'm, I'm curious and a little concerned if, if, if it's two weeks in a row where he's not able to produce against a good defense. Uh, maybe maybe that early hype after the first couple of weeks needs to be adjusted. Let's move on. We've got Ole Miss, uh, my favorite team, uh, at Arkansas. This game, uh, the line has moved down. Arkansas is favor. Nope, Arkansas <laughs> is getting one and a half points. Who you got in this one? Um, I like Ole Miss in this spot, but I don't love it. I think that 
Arkansas is a very live dog here. Um, my, I, I don't know if anybody is stopping Ole Miss this season, and I think the best way to stop them is to actually just keep them off the field. Um, and in that spot, I think it's, it's, it's just, I don't know if Arkansas is the team that is going to be good enough to stay on the field and just not let this offense do whatever they want. So I'm watching in this game. I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to watch Elijah Moore. He's fun. Yeah. I'm also on Ole Miss on this one. Again, how can I not be? They're my favorite team. Uh, I'm watching Jerry Neely. I was really impressed with him. Uh, he had 19 rushes for 120 and two touchdowns. Uh, he's a sophomore running back for Ole Miss, and I think he's going to keep it rolling against the Hogs. Give me Ole Miss minus one and a half. I, I think they uh, they have no problem with that number. I do think there could be a little bit of a slow start, maybe a little bit of a letdown after the uh, emotional loss that uh, you know Lane Kiffin going up against Saban all that good stuff. But uh, for the most part, I, I feel pretty confident that Ole Miss uh, can take care of business. Arkansas, I think one of the reasons uh, people are excited about them is uh, they, they've they looked so much better than we, we were expecting. Uh, and they I think they're like uh, 3-0 and against the spread so far this year. But those have been such big numbers. This is a small number. I'm curious if they're able to uh, to, to hang in the moment where they're, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of people are considering them a live dog. They uh, This opened up at three and a half. And so the fact that it's moving more to Arkansas's favor, I, I kind of kind of like that. So uh, give me Ole Miss. Uh, let's move on. Uh, UCF, one of our, this is, this is a matchup right up your alley. We've got UCF at Memphis. Uh, Memphis is getting three and a half points, I believe. Is that, is that the line here? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I double checked it. Perfect. So Memphis plus three and a half, you lean in that way. Or are you going to go UCF? I'm actually very torn on this game. I think there's a decent chance Memphis wins this game outright, but I think it's going to be a shootout. So I'm taking UCF because of volatility reasons. Um, They play at an incredibly high pace. They are actually the final team that I will not be ever taking the, uh, the under on um, because they just play at such an absurd pace. Um, These are two of the top 10 teams in plays per game. Hooray points. Um, And the player I'm watching here, there aren't a ton of Memphis players that I'm super interested in this year, kind of like DeMonte Coxie. Um, but the guy I'm watching out for is their running back, Rodriguez Clark. He's a junior or a redshirt sophomore, but so far he's leading the team in rush attempts and rushing yards. Memphis has been starting to put guys into the NFL over the past couple of years, whether it be Gibson or Henderson. Um, there just seems to be some value there, so I'm keeping an eye on him. Yeah, I like it. I'm actually also on UCF. I, I feel your uh, concern that Memphis might keep this close in a high-scoring affair. The player I'm watching is Dylan Gabriel. He's 87 for 139 so far with uh, 1,155 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. I like this guy. I think he has potential to be worthy of uh, a draft pick. I'm curious what he can do at the next level. Uh, we've talked about him before. Uh, so give me UCF. This one, uh, yeah, I just think... I think I just think uh, the UCF is going to want to prove something here. This is their first game and how long that they are not ranked. I don't know. I didn't actually look, but I'm curious, uh, but coming off a loss, I think they're going to bounce back pretty strong here. So UCF minus three and a half feels good. Let's move on to the ACC North Carolina minus 13 and a half at Florida state. What you got taking North Carolina. So last week we had uh, Notre Dame against Florida state and Florida state managed to cover um, the difference in that game is that, uh, 
Notre Dame doesn't like to score a lot of points. North Carolina does like to score a lot of points. I think that in this game, North Carolina is going to um, really try and put up a ton. And I don't think this Florida State offense is capable of keeping up. I am watching Diami Brown in this game because he's fun and because I believe Tamora Terry's out um, for this week. So whatever. Yeah, I am curious uh, how Florida State will be if they uh, do, in fact, turn the reins over to Jordan Travis. Uh, I'm curious if they'll be able to hang, but I don't think they will. I'm also in North Carolina at minus 13 and a half. I thought this number would be more like 16, so I, I felt pretty good about it. Uh, pick your running back as far as a player I'm watching. Uh, both both running backs for North Carolina had just had heydays, but uh, I really liked what I saw from Javante Williams. Uh, he went 20 for 169 and two touchdowns last week versus Virginia Tech. So I am excited to see what he will do against a Florida State defense that has been um, not impressive at all. Uh, last game that we're going to talk about before we jump into our locks, the big one, number three, Georgia versus number two, Alabama. Um, Alabama, it's is the line really down to minus four? Yeah, I just double-checked Ooh, it. It's, it's almost God. across the board at four. Great. So who do you got in this one? Tell me why. Let's spend a little bit more time on this one, maybe. So I'm a little bit torn on this game. Georgia's defense is going to be the first like very good defense that Alabama faces this year. And coming off a game against Ole Miss where – they kind of had success wherever they wanted to have success. Um, like we said, they were 41 yards away from being perfect. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about where Alabama is going to be at in this game because it's going to be a very different pace. It's going to be a very different feel to this game. And Georgia really just likes to wear out their opponents. With that being said, the one fear we have with Georgia is if this game turns into a Alabama scores quick on a couple of drives, can Georgia survive a three and out? And that, that becomes a little bit more of a question mark there. There's definitely going to be more punts in this game than there was against Ole Miss. Um, it's definitely not going to be a super duper high scoring game where I, if we touch a hundred, I'll be a little bit surprised. So <laughs> I'm still taking Alabama minus four. I don't feel as confident as I thought I would feel. Um, but that might just be because of I, I, I kind of think tempo is going to be the determining factor in this game. So I, I am taking Alabama. Um, I don't think they're going to blow this number out of the water. And I'm going to watch Jalen Waddle because I really like Jalen Waddle. Yes, you do. And I agree with your assessment on a lot of this. Um, I'm also taking Alabama minus four. I have a lot of confidence in the team being able to kind of not do whatever they want against Georgia. I think Georgia's defense is very good, but I find it really difficult to imagine a scenario where Alabama doesn't put up at least four touchdowns. And I just don't see this Georgia's this Georgia offense being able to really uh, do a whole lot. I know maybe that's a little bit unfair. Uh, they did put up uh, quite a few points last week, but I just don't know if I see Stenson Bennett being able to move um, the ball at the type of pace and level that he's going to need. Uh, to be able to keep up with the likes of Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, all these guys that we've already talked about. I think Alabama's offense is way too powerful uh, for Georgia to be able to keep up. And and while I think Georgia's defense is much better than Alabama's defense, I don't think it makes up for it. I think um, the the Crimson Tide are going to be able to, to scheme up ways to get Waddle or Mechie or Smith or whomever it might be. They have so many weapons. I just don't think you can contain them 
Uh, so give me Alabama. I, I was comfortable taking this at six. I'm very comfortable taking it at four. Um, I, I think this one is uh, ends up being kind of over kind of quick. Maybe not as crazy as what we saw last week with Clemson, Miami, but I don't I don't actually anticipate this being all that close. Uh, player I'm watching is Stetson Bennett, mainly because um, I don't think he's all that good. I think he's just fine, um, but I, I don't think he'll be able to keep up with uh, with Alabama's offense. So, and if you're uh, if you're a Georgia fan that is not really a fan of Stetson Bennett, you might actually be okay if you get crushed this week because this if he gets crushed and all of a sudden looks over his head, this is a spot where JT Daniels can maybe emerge back into the conversation of maybe he starts next week. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Uh, before we get into our locks, I just want to let you know a little bit about Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online uh, are—they're awesome. They're—they're they're good friends, and we—we we love them. They're going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on our season opening bonuses, uh, start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire. It's all one word. And BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. Let's get into the locks for Week Seven. I got a bunch on here, so I'm going to go ahead and just go first. That Bama Georgia game, uh, yeah, that's one of my locks. Alabama are four and two against the spread in the last six games when playing as a favorite. Uh, and in the last two plus seasons, so all of last season, all the season before, and so far uh, this year, they've only um, not beaten a team by six three times. And those all happen to be losses. So when they're winning, they're winning by more than six. And I expect that to happen again. I don't think Georgia upsets them. Uh, give me Bama minus four. Lock it up. All right. I like that pick. I was very close to playing the under on that game. And have now subsequently talked myself out of it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start off with a semi-high profile game, and that's Clemson and Georgia Tech. Right now, the number is at 64 and a half. Shocker of the century. I'm going under that number. Uh, yeah, S&P Plus has this number at 54. So, I, I mean, that's absurd to be getting 10 points, and I feel pretty good. Uh, Clemson has the fourth best defense, um, defensive S&P Plus, and Tech is a below average offense i believe they're like 48th worst or something like that which might not sound so terrible but they're they're below average i don't see them being able to really move the ball they they want to not have to try and win the game with their quarterback and i think they're gonna probably see something very similar to what miami saw which was clemson's gonna force them to pass and i i don't see much success there um Realistically, I see this game probably similar type score to what we saw against Miami with Clem. I mean, with Georgia Tech scoring even fewer points. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good one just because I don't think Georgia Tech will be able to score much. Uh, and I don't think Clemson's going <laughs> to put up 60 on their own. I guess they could if they really wanted to, but I don't think they will. I, I like that call. Um, so my next one, Arkansas are 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games. However... That is a little bit misleading because they are like double-digit dogs in almost all of them. So they haven't had to do a whole lot to cover those spreads. This game is down to one and a half. Give me Ole Miss. I will lay the one and a half with Ole Miss and be happy to do so. Um, if you want to get crazy, if you want to feel a little spry, 
go ahead and take the over. I'm not going to do it this week just because it is uh, at 76. Uh, but all of Lane Kiffin's games have gone over this year by an average of 27.7 points. Uh, that's number one in the in the nation. That's thanks to uh, Thor Nystrom on Twitter, uh, at Thor KU. He's a good dude. Uh, he's pretty funny. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he's he's looking awesome. Uh, not he. They are looking awesome. Their defense is terrible. That's my only <laughs> my only hope is that they can get like two or three stops, and then I'm pretty sure they'll cover the one and a half. So Ole Miss minus one and a half. So my next one I'm going to go with is Pitt and Miami. This is a game that I'm sure no one is surprised that I'm I'm playing right now. Uh, the number's kind of low. It's down to 49 and a half. I believe it opened at 54, so I'm getting a little more nervous, but I would play it as low as 47 and a half, um, maybe 47. Miami's strength is their rushing attack. And so I, I think what we saw is that if you force them into the passing game, they are going to struggle a little bit more. We, we have seen them have bouts of being very explosive in the passing game, but that's really only been when the running game is opened up. And what's Pitt's defense, despite the fact that it's been quote-unquote exposed over the past couple of weeks, it's really been by this elite pass, or not elite, but strong passing attacks. And I just don't see Miami being able to put that together. Pitt right now has the fourth best stuff rate and allows the second fewest line yards. I think they're really going to put Miami in a bind early and potentially force some turnovers in this game. I do like Pitt to keep the game close, as I mentioned earlier, and I do think they're the way they're going to do that is largely just creating havoc and making Miami's offense struggle. Yeah, I I like it. That that line, oof. Yeah, it's moving. Anything it's under moving. fifty just makes me a little nervous personally. Um, and part of that is like just because there's so many unforeseen things that can take place, like a weird pick six or a muffed punt or something like that. Uh, so I, I never have the 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 courage and fortitude to take those, but uh, but they seem to work out for you more often than not. So uh, so go for it. I, know. Uh, I have to I have to go full transparency. I just looked. The numbers at forty eight is the best number I can get. I'm taking it forty eight still. You still are. Wow, you are a, you're a good man. Uh, my next one, real quick. UMass is terrible. They might be uh, just the most hilarious team there is. Uh, they play Georgia Southern this week. Um, over at Odd Shark, the predicted score, <laughs> it made me laugh so much. Georgia Southern, 45.6. UMass, 1.7. <laughs> uh, I thought that was really funny. Uh, I already put a bet on this one myself. I got the line at minus 28. I'm seeing now that it's up to 31 and a half. I'm still going to take it at 31 and a half. I like 28 a lot better, though. Uh, but that's my that's my next one for you. You're up, buddy. Yeah, UMass is atrocious. That's a solid pick. Um Screw it. Let's go with some points. Um, so Louisiana Tech, uh, I like home favorite or home underdogs. Um, so S&P Plus has Louisiana Tech as just a six and a half point underdog in this. Uh, once again, this is kind of a low total game and it's a big spread. Uh, Marshall runs the ball on 64 and a half percent of their plays and Louisiana Tech is strong against rush explosiveness. So it's unlikely that they're going to be giving up big plays. So that does mean that this game is going to be kind of eating up the clock the whole way through in this situation that probably is going to favor the dog. Because like I said, I think that this game is less likely to get out of hand. So I'm going to take Louisiana tech plus 13 and a half against Marshall. Yeah. And Marshall does look really good, but I mean, two touchdowns is a pretty big number. So I think you're, I think you're good there. Uh, my next one is BYU uh, at Houston. You're going to notice a theme real quick here. I'm taking the favorites this week. I'm laying the points with BYU. 
the Cougars, I know they're both the Cougars. They had a rough outing, like you mentioned last week. I think they bounced back from that just fine. Houston looked really, really rusty. Yes, they pulled out a win, but they did have five turnovers in that game. Uh, that's not; those are not mistakes that you'll be able to uh, to get by uh, with uh, with a formidable opponent opponent like BYU. You and I talked a little bit about BYU this year. Uh, we like them. We think they're they're pretty strong. I don't know if maybe they're as good as we maybe thought two weeks ago, but I I like their offense. I think they're going to be able to get a lot done in this game. Uh, so it's a Friday night special, which is also fun because I like tilting my head off uh, on a Friday night. But Zach Wilson's looked really good. He's only thrown one interception. He's got six touchdowns and uh, just about a thousand yards on the year. So um, their their running game looks good. And of course, we've got a uh, Gunnar Romney. I think it's Mitt's nephew or something like that. Uh, he's got three hundred yards. Uh, he, he's he's leading the way for them um, receiving. So BYU minus four and a half at Houston. That one's going to be fun it's going to be close to the end i think but uh but i think byu pulls it out i i think byu gets it right this week and uh looks a lot better against this houston team so i like that spot you still have a couple left uh i'm gonna let you go back to back here yeah i'll go uh unc minus 13 and a half at florida state and i'm also taking over 63 and a half you might want to double check those numbers while i'm talking because if that over moves up too much i might be uh, a little bit afraid only because uh, I don't know if Florida State's going to be able to put up their end of it. However, Jordan Travis did look a little bit more competent. They were able to score um, a bit against uh, Notre Dame, as we mentioned earlier. This line isn't that big, though. I think UNC takes care of business. Uh, Howell finally got going last week. The running backs, who we mentioned earlier, like Javante Williams and Michael Carter, were delightful. They uh, were able to do everything they wanted to. I just don't think Florida State uh, can hang with them. So give me UNC minus 13 and a half and the over 13. 30, excuse me, 63 and a half. If it was 36 and a half, yeah, that, I'd be putting my mortgage down on that. But, yeah. Uh, no, 63 I, and a half, I don't feel too too scared about that number. I just double checked that number. You are good. Um, so here is going to be my new favorite team to bet on this season. Uh, UTEP yeah. and Southern Miss under 56 and a half. So UTEP scared the crap out of me last week uh, before the game started because so I wrote... Uh, I wrote an article for the Action Network last week, um, basically hyping this game uh, with UTEP and Louisiana Tech and how I was so confident in it. And then right before game, the spread went or the total went up like three and a half points, which meant there was a ton of money coming in on the over. So I just want to point out that I was terrified, but then my <laughs> analysis pretty much proved correct. Uh, UTEP is one of the worst offenses in the entire nation. They have the seventh lowest offensive S&P Plus. They have a 30, uh, 33% success rate, a 29.5% success rate on rushing plays. They are stuffed on 25% of their rush attempts, and they run the ball an average of 53% of plays. They average just 18.4 points per game. Love all of that. So Southern Miss, on the other hand, they are another team. They, they, they're a little bit more high scoring. They score, I think, 29 points on average per game. It's not great, but it's... It's better than 18, but they still, they rush the ball 53% of their plays and they are stuffed on 20% of their plays. So both of these teams tend to be under 70 plays per game. They're not super fast. The pace won't be super high and neither one of these teams are super duper effective. That leads to unders. I'm staying strong with this and I'm going under 56 and a half for UTEP and Southern Miss. So, so full transparency here, which we like to say on the show, uh, your UTEP line last week 
you, you texted me that the line was moving and I had listened to another podcast where the guy was pushing the over. He's like, you got to go over, you got to go over. And I went back and I looked at some stuff. I read your article over on action and I was like, you know what? I'm sticking with my boy. Matt knows what he's talking about. Bet the under made some money. I was happy uh, that I stuck with you, but I wonder, I, I wonder this guy, it's a pretty popular podcast. So I wonder if he had <laughs> so, some, uh, some reasoning uh, in, in why the line moved a bit, but uh, you were on the right side of it. So uh, kudos to you. Uh, my last one is UCF minus three and a half at Memphis. I like UCF in this spot. They're six and zero straight up in their last uh, six road games against Memphis. And they've won uh, their 10 or no straight up in the last 10 against Memphis. This line being as low as it is, I think if they win, they probably, you know, three and a half, it's close, but I, I feel pretty confident in it. It's, it's not a, too big of a number. I really think UCF is in a get right spot here. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm excited to see um, what Dylan Gabriel can do. I have a lot of confidence in him. Uh, their running backs are, are pretty fun too. They got a great offense. Uh, I hope they are able to slow Memphis down just a little bit. And uh, and if they're able to do that, I think they get this uh, pretty comfortably. So UCF minus three and a half is my last on the slate. Did you see any others that you wanted to throw in? Um, or, or, or are you are you nice and uh, nice and I think I'm out. out. I, I I've tried. I'm I'm really really like staring at this Georgia Alabama number, but I think I'm gonna just I'm gonna hold pat with my four. I like my four, and yeah, call it call it with four. Did you see any like uh, maybe long shot upsets or maybe not long shot, but any upsets, any money lines that you might want to play this week? Uh, kind of looking at the board, was there anything that you thought would be would be interesting? So if I'm if I'm being honest, though, while I do like BYU in this get right spot, I would be a little bit OK putting a little bit on Houston, um, mm-hmm. not because I think that they're um, super likely to pull it off, but I think there's some value there. I do kind of like Arkansas. Um, again, these are these would be small bets. They would just be kind of throw them out there. And the one that you actually could probably get a sizable value on um I, I kind of wouldn't I wouldn't mind putting a little bit down on Louisville. I think there's a, a chance for Louisville here to kind Upset of Notre Dame. Yeah, I think they I think they have a couple of 45. You would you'd be making some nice <laughs> nice so, returns. My and my reasoning behind this one, it's it's again, I don't think it's the likely outcome, but I do think there's an opportunity where Tutu Atwell or Des Fitzpatrick, you get a few explosive plays. And what Notre Dame lacks right now is the explosive play. Yeah. And I'm I am throwing one extra log on the fire. I'm throwing on Louisville plus 17 and a half. Um, All right. Like I said, I I, I do think that um, Notre Dame is going to struggle against explosive offense. And I think that without a vertical passing game, I I, I just don't think they're going to be able to cover a big number. So, yeah. And Louisville, that last game got away from them from a couple of just really unlucky turnovers and, and trying to press too much. And I don't think they're going to have that same problem. I like that one as well. Uh, kind of some of the money lines I was looking at uh, that, I, that I'll probably, I'll probably put some small numbers on. I like uh, Kentucky at plus plus one ninety against Tennessee. Uh, that seems like a, a, a pretty good value spot. And then South Carolina against Auburn, uh, South Carolina plus plus one forty. Um, I'll take that. It's only a three point line. I, I think South Carolina's, been really good. I've been impressed with them, whereas Auburn's been uh, kind of underwhelming to me so far this year. So, so I like both of those. I think those could be uh, interesting plays. And then, if I want to get really feisty, I might. Uh, I was gonna maybe do a little something with the uh, Syracuse. 
Syracuse plus 145 against Liberty. Uh, but I don't know if I'll do that one, but something to think about anyway. <laughs> you don't want to bet against Hugh Freeze? <laughs> I, well, I Absolutely. I just know Syracuse has a way of letting us down when we need them to uh, to pull strong for us. 100%. I don't like them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much, Matt. That was good stuff. Um, I'm really excited for this slate of games. Uh, as you can tell by my uh, 152 picks, uh, let's go over the locks real quick. Uh, give us your rundown real fast here of uh, what you got on the board. I got Clemson and Georgia Tech under 64 and a half. Pitt, Miami under 48. Louisiana Tech plus 13 and a half home against Marshall. Uh, UTEP and Southern Miss under 56 and a half. Louisville plus 17 and a half at Notre Dame. Great. And I'm laying the points this week. I've got Alabama minus four against Georgia. I've got BYU minus four and a half at Houston. UCF minus three and a half at Memphis. Ole Miss one and a half at Arkansas. The Tar Heels minus 13 and a half at Florida State. And I'm also taking the over in that game. And then UMass at Georgia, I've got minus 31 and a half. So uh, full board for me (laughs) this week. Uh, you got, I, I was able to sneak uh, another one on your board too by uh, making you look at the slate a little bit more. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. Again, check out betonline.ag to play some of your bets. Uh, you'll find some good lines over there and uh, some other contests. I like the prop bets as well. Um, I have a lot of fun with those. One of the places I've been, another place I've been making money is uh, doing some prop bets uh, for, for NFL games with using some of the Rotoviz apps to, to do that and, and find some good places of value. Matt, do you have anything you'd like to share with our uh, audience before we take off? Uh, Buy Chris Alave and read my article. That's right. You can find all of Matt's articles over on Rotoviz and, of course, now at Action. Uh, Check those out. My kicker column came out again this week. So if you're looking to stream, uh, do that. Just so you know, Mason Crosby and uh, Prater coming off bye weeks. They're available in your leagues. Go ahead and pick them up. It's a nice free kicker spot for you. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you guys next week. Uh, We're also going to be jumping on with... Before uh, we get off, uh, there's breaking news right now. Um, Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID and will not be... Likely not be available for the game. So, wow. Wow. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, Do I have... Can I wait? (laughs) Can I wait till this number drops even more before we make it my lock? I'm still taking it at minus four, though. Yeah. Minus four is fine, but it, it, keep an eye on the number. Uh, it may move down. If it kicks off at three, we'll give him, we'll give Stefan three. Yeah, I like it. Uh, but no, that's great. Thanks for that. That's uh, it's not great for him. It's hopefully he's, he's fine. He's not, he's yeah. not symptomatic at this time. Good. That's good. Hopefully, uh, there's no no spread as well. Get well soon, Nick. We'll uh, we'll be we hoping you uh, bounce back quickly. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be on Travis May uh, the the College Canton podcast. Uh, this upcoming week, we're going to do uh, kind of looking back at the rookie uh, picks from this last year. Then the following year, we're going to be following year, following week, we're going to be doing like a Debbie Summit rankings, uh, which will be a lot of fun. So you can find us over there as well. Otherwise, uh, you, we'll be back on this one on Thursday or Friday, depending on where you listen. If you find it on our stream or over on the Rotoviz Radio mainstream. So thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Uh, I think this la- this will be my last outro, and we're good. <laughs>